Welcome to Erotic Wisdom with Mrs. Love. Hello everyone, uh, this is uh, Tantra Evolution and Chaco and my guest today is Valentina Leo, also known as Mrs. Love. She's a Dakini, a Tantrika, and a sacred sexuality teacher. She's Italian by birth, based in Cape Town, South Africa, since the late 90s. Valentina holds the lineage of female teachers of the Tantra school of Kashmir Shaivism, and she calls it the Tantra school of fascinating wonderment or vismayu in Sanskrit. Her teaching is intuitive, and direct and working with her will ask everything of you. So welcome uh, Valentina to Tantric Interviews and I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you, thank you Chaka. It's a blessing to be here with you today. So one of my first questions for you is can you just shed us some light on what exactly is a Dakini? Who is a Dakini? What is that term stands for you? <sighs> so the Dakini is a wisdom teacher. So mm -hmm. she that teaches from the heart of reality. She brings a direct transmission. And she, in her appearance, when she comes into form, she is the one that uh, brings forth the full marriage of masculine and feminine. So she is the emptiness and form at the same time, formless and form, emptiness and bliss, method and wisdom. And so she receives, she comes, she sprouts out from the heart of the void. And so sometimes she takes a form of a being but sometimes she can appear in the bird flying in front of you. She can appear in the form of the sky. She can appear as a child. She can appear as a song. So she carries the wisdom in all the seductive aspects of reality. And where we can soften our heart into the teaching. And so the teaching is not a mental activity, is not a knowing of the brain, is not linear, is not in the book. You can't refer it to the book. It doesn't have sentences that begin and end. But she's a vortex. She twirls and offers the teaching to the people coming from a place of deep love seduction. And this is one of the big essence of Kashmir Shaivaism, this particular stream of Tantrism, that you will recognize the teaching when your heart is pierced and, and, and you fall in love. It's the same experience of falling in love. Something happened and the heart, the heart just crack open and there is a recognition where we say, but I knew that. I recognize that mm -hmm. texture. 
And so it can come in all possible form that are not only tantric, but they belong to life. And so the Dakini ride this way. So she is unbounded in her freedom. She's undescribable even. And so for me, when I'm holding this lineage, when I say that I hold this lineage, it's because my teaching are direct. They come from life. And of course, I do my study as well. And I love the textbooks and I found them really expansive as well. But I also feel we've forgotten that the truth is hidden everywhere. And sometimes I also find that the tantric teaching becomes very dogmatic. And there is that place where even we debate what is real Tantra and this is more authentic. And already when we're debating, we've lost the essence because the Tantrika wants to fall in love with reality. That's, that's all. It wants to, it longs for this mystical union of a dropping into the true knowing that will sweep me off my feet like a beloved. And so the Dakini use these means to communicate the truth. She use enchantment, um, mysticism, visions. And many men are Dakini too. I mean, I know that in Neo-Tantra, we have this thing of Dakini and Dakas. Mm. And for me, for the way I understand it and I researched it, there isn't such a thing as a Dhaka. The Dhaka is when we want to again to limit the expansive teaching and make it binary, make it linear. Oh, if there is a Dakini, there must be a Dhaka. No, it's like there's only one heart. It's called Dakini. It's when the formless seduces form and form become the seduction of the formless. And this can be embodied by many men. I know few men that actually are Dakini. And the Dakini also has the quality of the trickster a little bit. Mm. You know, she carried that quality of magic and that quality of shake you from everything you, you thought you knew. So she's a little bit of a trickster. In the, in the, in the history, she appeared like a young girl and then suddenly an old, ageless woman and, and then suddenly half woman, half animal. So she wants to trick all the places in your mind where you're holding on to linear thinking and linear knowing. Mm -hmm. And she used this as magic trick to bring you into the, the knowing of the heart that sometimes doesn't have words. Their hearts arrive before the mind. And then their heart wisdom inform the thinking. And so the Dakini is the one that pierces the heart. It comes straight into the heart. And so sometimes their teachings are unorthodox, are out of the ordinary, they're scary. They are intimidating. <laughs> and, uh, and that is, has the purpose of shake you from your fear or make you see and look at your fear. And, 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 and some of my students tell me sometimes I look like a child, a young child, and I'm so cute. And at the moment I look terrifying and I look so old and my hair turned gray, all of them, mm -hmm. all of a sudden. 
and that's when all they fear are coming up. And I accept the projection. That's, that's what I'm here for. So I, I take it on. And it's like, okay, I'll be all your fear. Here I am. I am here for that. So bring them up. I'm going to play them out for you. So you can really be afraid consciously. And then you can go and see what is the real source of your fear. You know, so, so mm-hmm. it's also shape shifts, shape shifter. The Dakini. So Dakini doesn't have to be, as you said, uh, a woman or a man. It can be both. I mean, a man can hold that particular space or quality or energy. Completely, completely. I, I, I had many encounters with men that came into my life and then I, I realized, oh my God, they just played a Dakini trick on me. <laughs> mm. You know, also when they make me fall in love with this, uh, this, unlikely situation and then they disappear in the fog like this and uh, and then i know okay they just came to evoke something really profound inside of me something that was deep and the moment that arose they disappear so i could sit with the quality of this emotion and not label it to them and not make them the source of my emotion but really see that it's all my play mm-hmm. and so i recognize them as dakini and uh, what is the role of the yeah what is the role of body the physical embodiment in this whole process of becoming a dakini how how does the dakinis use the body the physical body to play this uh, you know the trickster game well, it goes along with the pantomime that we play, you know, it's like if this is a big play, it's the lila, it's mm-hmm. the dance of uh, reality. So we know that intrinsically it's all unreal, but uh, you have to play the game as if it's really real. This is important. It's like if you're an actor and you're in theater, you know you are performing, a, you're playing a role. But while you're playing the role, you must really thoroughly believe with every cell in your body that is real. Otherwise, you'll be a terrible actor. <laughs> you're not going to fulfill your, um, your role play. And so the Dakini has this awareness all the time. So the awareness is that we are not the body, but the play is that we are absolutely the body. There is nothing other than the body in this expression, in our dimension, in this time, in Mm. this planet. And so to really enter the body profoundly and uh, and honor all the teaching of the body as if that is the pure newses. That is the book. For the Dakini, my body is my textbook. There is nothing separated. I'm going to share this story with you that at the beginning, Mm. I remember I was shy to tell because, you know, of course, you know, I'm not a Dakini 24 hour on 24. I'm also just a human being and a mother and I've got my history and I'm very aware of my personal narrative. Mm-hmm. And also I'm leaning onto this archetype because deeply inspire me, but I don't hold the Dakini naming as, a, as an identity. I'm very, very careful not to present myself as a Dakini you know, um, that I, it becomes my identity because then I lose the essence of Dakini. 
because she's the sky dancer. She's mm -hmm. transparent like the sky. It means she doesn't hold on to any identity. And if I hold on to that as my identity, I would lose her completely. So I do this dance with the kini. I notice sometimes I become a dakini. It moves through me. And sometimes I'm just Valentina, I'm, I'm a mother and I've got my daily life struggle. Mm -hmm. And this, it's ongoing. And there was a time in my, when I was studying about six, seven years ago, um, when I started to really go deep into the traditional text and I was reading the Shiva Sutra. And uh, I, for me also the text, the traditional text, when you enter them, they become your, they became my lover. I think they've got this ability because it's magic to talk to you individually, personally. It becomes an intimate relationship with the textbook and the word that are used because it's Sanskrit language. They are so expensive and they enter the being so deeply and they can really explode the pocket of awareness. And it's really felt, you know, and sometimes they're hard to go through mm -hmm. like real human relationships. So there is this battle with the book. And, and it's just like having a love affair. And then I came across this concept of Vismayo. You mentioned it now in what I call the School of Fascinating Wonderment. Because when I received that piece, I realized that all my teaching started to sprout out of that one word, Vismayo. Mm. And it's in the Shiva Sutra, it speaks that uh, the attainment of the tantric uh, master, the yogi, the tantric yogi, is not about the physical uh, ability, the yoga of the body, you know, headstand mm. or extreme uh, physical posture, but is the ability to live life in every moment with the quality, with the inner posture, that's inner yoga. It's the inner mm. asana, the posture is an attitude of my being. So to meet every moment in life with the attitude of Vismayo, fascinating wonderment, or sometimes is also translated being wonderstruck by my own nature. Mm. So wonderstruck by seeing the true nature of reality. And I love this word so much. When I read it, just this word, to be in fascinating wonderment, suddenly expanded into my whole being. And I had to close the book and self-pleasure. Mm -hmm. and go into erotic pleasure with myself. And at the beginning, I was ashamed. I, it was my secret. It's something mm -hmm. I would have never told my Indian guru, you're India, and so yeah. you know what that would have taken, you know. Uh, big judgment, and I wanted to carry on studies. So, you know, like there are some things we keep private. But I noticed that that kept happening, that when I'm with the sacred text, and I find a piece that really shakes me to the core. And I know in that moment, it's expanding my ability to, my awareness. Mm -hmm. I'm moving to the next level. And it's a, it's a body experience. It's not happening in my head. In fact, I have to move into self-pleasure, body pleasure, to mm -hmm. expand the thinking mind. Because I notice how the thinking mind wants to grasp this concept that they are so amazing. My whole body, it's called to participate. 
And so for me, this is the Dakini, the true embodiment. So she, in her unbounded joy and unlimited freedom, take the whole of her form and rejoice of this moment of your realization. And so the body is absolutely essential. It becomes the altar in which we perform the ritual of absorbing reality as an embodied experience and then become a knowing that lives in every single cell of your body. And it's something no one can ever take away from you and is beyond debate. And, and you just know, and that is the most um, powerful piece. That for me is true empowerment because is non-dependent of outside circumstances. It becomes so entrenched in your sweat, in your tears, in your emotional being. Um, and so pleasure, it's definitely a ritual of the body. And it's definitely one of the expression of Dakinis. She's always in pleasure. I mean, when you see, if you see this painting behind me, yeah. you see the painting of Dakini, they are always in utmost ecstatic joy. Even when they come as demonic expression, they're wrathful, they've yeah. got fangs, but their body still express and exude ultimate joy. Because mm. it's also being in, in human rage, it's amazing for the formless, for a light being that never had a body to even experience physical rage. Wow, what a rich experience. Mm -hmm. and, and so it be, consecrate everything that belongs of the body. So uh, I understand this part, part of the body. So how, how do you recommend to people living in modern society in cities how we can come back to this uh, embodiment. Uh, that should have been natural, you know, we can observe it in, in babies, you know, they, they are more in, the, in that ecstatic state. Uh, but then after a period of time when we start going to school, uh, we yeah. can see that this uh, whole, uh, we start to crisp and become more uh, yeah. you know, rigid in a way, yeah. the way we move. Uh, yeah. And I can see it, my son, you know, when he was a baby, it was different. Now for certain things, he's just crisps everything. Yeah. And less uh, ecstatic. And as an adult, for me, it was, uh, you know, I was more like st structured and rigid. And then when I started practicing, I could see that my body was moving. Uh, and sometimes it just moves in its own way. And that is yeah. pleasurable. And I'm not looking for pleasure, but it's happening inside. And it's just yeah. expressing, as you said, to the body. And so how, how would you transmit it to people who are just sitting in front of the computer and working and they have their own tension and yeah. daily living? How would you bring this? Well, I, I am a deep, uh, I'm very fond of a practice called Tandava, which mm -hmm. I believe also Osho presented it. I think Osho had a different lane mm -hmm. uh, with a Latihan. Latihan, yeah. So, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as the, the practice moves through. You know, again, I'm not here holding which one is it's, it's true and which one is more uh, traditional, as long as they work, you know, yeah. you're looking for results. 
So is, is to engage this, the practice of Tandava invited the body to engage in flowing uh, movement that has no specific meaning. You know, we, we learn to use the body as a machine to deliver something. And so the gesture of the body become very linear and we mm -hmm. using the, uh, the hand to eat in this way, to write, to even when we go running, and we forgot how to open the body sideways, for example, to shake mm -hmm. their arms up for no reason, just because I want to see my, feel my circulation of the body and I want to sense my connection to space. And kids do this all the time, very small baby. I remember watching my daughter when she was two weeks old. I remember this moment because we were all mesmerized and I put her... I put her on the table in one of these uh, half reclining seats mm -hmm. and she sat there and she just looked at space and you know in two weeks time the pupil the eyes are still very open also yeah. and she it looked like they're not focusing on anything in particular and so she was looking she was staring at the space in front of her and her arm were just floating in space in front of her and at the time I didn't know about this practice but now I recognize it as the Tandava. She's just feeling the primordial joy of having a body that releases itself into space. Because now we have this form. We have form and space and gravity. We have these forces that are active in this embodiment. You know, I don't know about other reality. And I'm in this reality right now. And, um, but I, so, what Tantra teaches me is to really take advantage of uh, the element of this reality. Because once I'm not here, I'll be somewhere else. I will miss all of this. It's not going to be the same. Maybe I'll be able to float in the sky and I will miss having my feet on the earth or smelling the earth. So here we have gravity. And so gravity allows me to play with and against it, to feel my body weight, to soften into the pool of the earth and suspend myself. Mm -hmm. And this is a beautiful sensation. And so we recreate space into this body that gets really taken, you know, that succumb to gravity instead of using gravity as a push and pull. We just become, I don't get the right word now, but victim of it. Mm -hmm. And so we curve into, you see old people, they're curving, the spine yeah. start curving. We're feeling this pull, plus everything happened in this thinking brain, this head becomes so heavy. And so when we do the practice of the Tandava, which is an alignment with the Kini energy, because mm -hmm. if you see the picture also, I keep it in my room, so I get reminded of the movement of the chest, of flowing in all direction for no reason, just because I've got a body and just because I've got a heart. And actually the bigger reason is because I love mm. and I want to love this moment and I want to love space around me. And so I think for the people that lives a very linear life, this is a movement that needs to start expanding all their belief system about who they are, what are they here for on this planet, mm -hmm. and what love is. 
Because when we start to understand that also love is not something linear that I give to someone, that I exchange with another human being. It's not a tool of exchange. I love you and you love me back. Or because you love me, I then love you. It's not a trade love. Love is an expression. I am love and I can only but express my love in. And then I'm, I can meet a man or a woman with whom I've got a particular erotic attraction or spiritual attraction or karmic attraction. And so there is something unique that happened with one person and I can go and explore that into the detail. But I'm already in love to, to learn to live from a place of being in love. So if I'm in love with this one, Mm -hmm. I want to dance it. I want to feel what it feels like. I want to touch myself more often. I want to sense the back of my body as much as the front of my body. Because I'm in constant lovemaking with this one and space. Wisdom and method. The wisdom is the space. The method is that I'm a human. This is what the Dakini carry. And so the, this is my method on this reality. What can I do with this human body? And so life become a laboratory. And mm. you've been onto my website and you know it's yeah. called the laboratory of love. Because that's life. That's how I understand it to be. My body is a laboratory. So you're exploring so and experimenting. Keep constantly. And when I think I know who I am, I must... Stop thinking I know because when I catch my mind that I, I think I know so much, I'm stale already. I'm finished. I'm limiting. And so I need to, to find, to drop myself into another space of not knowing so that I can explore it. Mm. So why is it difficult to enter into the, that state, as you say, the state of uh, floating awareness? You know? Floating why, awareness. Uh, yeah. uh, why is it difficult for us? Because we've been educated otherwise, you know, school mm. is the biggest limit. And, you know, school prepare us for a system that is very linear. And uh, also we were told that school not to fidget, not mm. to move. You know, if I was moving like I am now at school, I would be asked to please stop. I remember mm. stop fidgeting. And sometimes when we uh, uh, draw doodles, when the teacher is, is talking, and we scribble on the paper and we are told not to scribble, to put everything down and to listen. Now, this is an abuse that we do to our body because the body is an organism that expresses in all direction, just like the cosmos. And this, the tantric texts are telling us this, mm -hmm. we are made in the same blueprint as the star, as the universe, as the solar system, and we know the cosmos is in constant, ex constant expansion in all direction. You know, like the, the planet is round. So we are round being, like mm -hmm. the sun. And so when knowledge receives me, in order for me to allow this knowledge to enter me, I need to move in all direction because when I activate my full being, I am open and available and so I would learn much better if I'm allowed to dance a little, to move, to stand up, mm. to sit down, 
to, to draw something because I'm opening all the receptor in my body. And also tantrism teach me that true mind reside everywhere in the body, not just in my brain. So the thinking brain has a function like the heart and like the lung and they don't move. But mind, mind, mm. which is the wisdom of the Dakini, lives in everywhere, in every single cell. And, you know, epigenetic now is telling us this scientifically. So if you yeah. want to check this out, you can read the book by Bruce Lipton. I, I forgot his, The Biology yeah, uh, of Belief. The okay. Biology of Belief. And that really can land for people that needs to use the mind. What it means, the mind is everywhere. Mind is in every single cell. He tells you that the way a cell presents itself in the world is the way the whole being presents itself in the world. Mm -hmm. So we are mind everywhere. So when mind really activates is when my body is activated in all direction. But at school, we were told no. You are getting distracted. You are distracting me. And so we start to violate the natural intuition of the body. And so we get force and then we relearn. We deny the natural movement of the body and, and we, we get to relearn to stay still, to use only the thinking brain and to suffer through learning, that you need to suffer, that if you don't suffer, it's not through learning. And I don't know if you heard this, but in Italy I've heard this a lot. Yeah. If you don't suffer, it's not true love. Also, this is the teaching we receive. Yeah, <laughs> sacrificing everything, you know. Sacrificing everything, you know. Mm. And, um, and then we, we grow up, no wonder, we grow up, we've sacrificed our spark of love, we sacrifice the self to become a mechanism uh, in the system. And then no wonder we are terribly depressed. We are all on medication, mm. over drinking, overeating. So we are actually trying to find this, uh, this ecstatic thing uh, that should be naturally, that, that has been there naturally, but got shut down through different programming and using drugs, alcohol, or sex, or buying, shopping. You're trying to find this ecstatic, you know, this ecstatic energy in us. Yeah, it's, it's a distraction from the, the dryness of the, mm. the system. You were just a part of the system is so dry. And sometimes they work temporarily, you know, like yeah. some uh, um, recreational drugs, you know, at time can take you to that place that is very ecstatic. But then you're dependent, you know, and, and the essence of tantrism is to make you completely free interdependent that you can access this place in every moment with every breath so the other piece that I never get tired to say to people very beginning they said where do I begin with your breath mm. the deeper is your breath the deeper will be the quality of your life <sighs> you know to really and when I breathe fully my body is already dancing mm. There is already a movement that then I can ride. There is already the undulation of the spine. Mm. And so we can begin with the breath and, and, and let the rest of the body follow. And you know, even this at school, if you were yawning, 
it was considered very rude. Yeah. And now we all do breathing practice meditation. Yearning is the best thing your body can do. When you yearn, you're releasing the jaw, you're releasing your hips. Mm. Your body has a little depth. And so release toxin. It's releasing emotional toxin. It's re releasing toxicity in the blood. Yearning is the most um, liberating things that can happen in the body. After you yawn, you are more present, actually. Mm. You couldn't yawn at school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't know this uh, thing because when you yawn, after that you feel more fresh. Yes. But usually we are told not to do that because it is uh, inappropriate. Yeah, and so, and so we, we're holding the yawn and so we're killing the half yawn. We don't allow for that expression to happen. Like burping. I mean, I mm -hmm. love when I'm in India and everybody after a meal, they just burp. And it's just an appreciation. It's naturally happened in my body. Why do I have to carry shame? And this is the essence with everything. We carry shame for the natural movement of the body. And so that eventually brings distortion to who am I naturally? There are no more natural elements in me. Mm. I disown all my natural instinct. And then, then I'm sad. Then I'm feeling really disconnected. I don't know who I am. And I need to go shopping. I need to find who I am outside of me and putting this layer on top so that I might find some sense and meaning. And reality, the meaning is when I take off all my layer and I become naked, in naked awareness, and I find again myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the peace with body pleasure, you know, it's, it's also a classic, you know, that baby masturbate, they self-pleasure constantly. Mm -hmm. And they do it in front of the parents. They want to share that space with the parents. It's like you arrive in this world, you're surrounded by your beloved, the people you love the most, and you want to share your ecstasy with them. What else there is to share? Yeah. And so you want them to say, hey, mommy, daddy, look, look, I'm in pleasure. This is a static. Come join me. Let's be in this space together. And what we tell them is like, what are you doing? You don't do this in public. This mm -hmm. is inappropriate. Don't touch yourself. And we relegate them to their bedroom. And so what are we teaching them now? That ecstasy is a lonely place. But if you want to be in ecstasy, you can't be there with me. Mm -hmm. You have to be there alone. And so the message is that I can't share. My ecstasy is not accepted by the people that I love. And because we have a natural instinct for survival when we born, because we know we are interdependent to each other, yeah. we give up ecstasy in order to be included, to survive. So in, in order to be included by the one we love, we will give up ecstasy, no problem. Mm -hmm. But how long? Yeah. And then that starts to, of course, surface in perversion, erotic perversion. And that's why it's, it's a big piece for us, you know, in our, in the Western world. Well, in, in the world at large now. I think yeah, I think as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, growing up in India, uh, people say, yeah, uh, in the West, we are sexually repressed. But uh, to be, to be very frank, uh, at least in my generation, uh, people are frustrated. I mean, people, I, I remember talking with friends and saying that, oh, 
Imagine if we were living in the 12th century, 11th century India, it would have been nice because everything would have been much more open. And because we have been hearing about these stories, you know, stories yeah. from different uh, texts. So, and the way that people were dressing as well. So yeah. women were more dressing differently and which was very erotic. And we used to say, oh, we had a very bad karma. So we, <laughs> we got reincarnated in the 20th century in India. And like now it's <laughs> so structured and religious. And, and you cannot even talk about these things. You know, I remember you know, my mom saying, okay, don't do things which are against God <laughs> when I was a teenager. Okay, I listened to this, but I didn't feel it as a kind of, trauma at that point of time. But then when I started working with the, this, uh, this energy later on, I found that it had a very strong impact as a boy growing up to become a man. And when I started relating with, uh, with women, this was holding me back, you know, sacrificing yeah. this whole thing, this whole pleasure. And then I was rigid and I couldn't move my body. I remember my yeah. first experience was very strange. Because nobody's yeah. taught about those things. And there's yeah. always this, um, it's a taboo. I mean, you shouldn't say, you shouldn't talk. I mean, you should do it because you need to reproduce kids. You need to have kids and that's it. Nothing beyond. Yeah. And become so awkward, the most awkward things. And we become clumsy and we come to with each other. We bash against each other. You know, the first sexual experience are often really clumsy. Yeah. And this for me is the big piece, you know, that we, in our society, the greatest taboo is the source of life. How can that be a taboo? It says everything about our society. How can it be that marriage is sacred? And particularly, you maybe recognize yourself that because you grew up Christian. I grew up in Christian society, mm, although, yeah. you know, my family wasn't great devotee. But it's not even about religion, it's socialization. We just go to church because it's what we do. Mm. And so marriage is sacred, the family is sacred, because you know that you can annul a marriage that is not consumed. And you see the word we use. You have to consume the marriage. It's a horrible way, you know. To consume is to suck all the resources of a marriage, use it. It's like you don't consume, you celebrate yeah. the union. You see, sexuality is a celebration. So if you don't consume the marriage, the marriage has no value. So even Christianity and the religion and the church honor the value of marriage, the value of family. You need to have children to really honor God, but the way you make children belongs to the devil. And then it's like, no, sorry, the, the, the points don't match. What the fuck? It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible to have children without having sex and how can it be that having sex doesn't belong to God, but belong to the devil? How did he get in there? So what gods do you give your life to? A God that would allow that the most powerful movement is given to the devil, to this opposition. What sort mm. of God is this God? If life belongs to God, if love belongs to God, marriage belongs to God, children belongs to God, then sure, lovemaking also must belong to God. Exactly. And, you know, and, and if we would put that piece back where it needs to be, I think we would thrive as humanity. 
and and, and that's what I feel uh, when I started reading and connecting with Osho's work. And this is what I felt, you know, when in the 60s, end of 60s, beginning of 70s, he brought this whole thing about, let's start with sex. I mean, people were asking him questions about uh, love. And he said, okay, what you're calling love is basically your expression of sex. So let's start where you are. And for which he yeah. was criticized and called as sex guru and a lot of misinterpretations and, inter and the way they, each of us have taken his teachings. And I think he, he done a good job from that perspective in the 70s, uh, at least for many of the disciples who came from the West, it was a way to liberate and express. Uh, but I, I feel now in India, uh, there is a second wave of people getting attracted to the teachings of Osho. Uh, but still this whole, you know, the cultural, I would say the cultural scape, you know, the, the collective cultural consciousness of, in, in India is very strong in terms of traditions, in terms of what, what, you should, what is to be an Indian. It doesn't have to be mm. a religious background, you know. Uh, I remember learning uh, at school, what is the quality of an Indian woman? You know, this is something I learned at school when I was like 13. And I remember my mom repeating it and I was like, okay, but you go to church, but you're repeating something which is coming out of the, uh, the things which are coming out from the traditional Indian culture. So this is so much ingrained and it's very difficult for many people. And I have, I have friends, both men and women, trying to explore this dimension that you're talking about, but feeling... Yeah doesn't have the space for that yeah because of judgment and uh, no safe space for that. yeah and, and and everywhere you know also in italy you know mm. the, the the good wife the good italian wife needs to cook well and sacrifice her life for the husband and the children so the good wife needs to be in suffering that's how i grew up you have to give yourself up for them mm. for your family and then what are you offering to your family you're offering your sadness, your frustration, your, you know, and make everybody eat, eat, eat because you don't know how to share emotion. And so it's just about the food, you know, and food is another big addiction like sex yeah. because we use it as an avoidance instead of being a celebration of my humanity. It's how can I avoid being stuck in a body that I don't know who it is and is so painful. Let's fuck. Let's overeat, let's drink, because I don't want to think about it because I, I know I'm in prison and I know there is, it feels like there is no way out. And then all the addiction are the only way out. Mm. So, so, and I think, you know, Osho was, was genius, was brilliant. I adore Osho, although I don't consider myself just a disciple of Osho, but he's one of my mentors for sure. And I love to read the, his book in Italian, because he's also a Dakini for me. The mm. way he speaks, like Osho never wrote a book. He spoke. Mm. And his disciple wrote his book. All his book are the writing of his talk. Mm. So in that sense, he taught like a Dakini. Oral he just tradition. Sat, oral tradition. He sat and he spoke. And so whatever was moving his mind, soul, heart came out. And someone else worried about uh, transcribing, but he never sat and thought, oh, there is this knowing is really important. I need to pass it on. 
So when I read Osho, it really touched my heart, like, like we're having a conversation, it's a, it's a love affair. And I think that a lot of the people that are attracted to Osho, I think he did a very big job in um, revealing the power of eroticism as just um, an empowerment practice to become fully human. Then once we've done this, then there is still room to choose if you want to carry on with the tantric teaching, we'll stop there. So mm. I say that the, explore, the sexual exploration is essential to meet the tantric teaching, but it's not the tantric teaching. It's like the stepping stone. So you can't do tantra bypassing the erotic work because mm. I think that's also is a spiritual bypassing. You may want to delay it, which mm. I can also agree in the traditional school they want to develop your understand of who you are in relation to reality and the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And when you understand who you are, that you are a celebration of reality, then you can engage in erotic connection as a celebration of the one you know to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in neo-tantric practices, sexuality is at the very beginning and all we're sharing with the other, it's all my shadow all my addiction, all my fear. And, and so my sexual encounter is not really a celebration, but is a clashing of projection, of drama, of heartbreak. And sometimes it's painful and complex and complicated and it can lead in some drama, mm -hmm. um, not all the time. And, and then sometimes it gets hard to navigate. So in the traditional teaching, they said, why make it so hard? Learn a little bit about yourself, do some dancing, do some Tandava. You know, Osho also had a lot of practice, the dynamic, the Kundalini. So get to know this body, who you are, your movement, and then engage in sexuality. So you can own yourself, and at least you don't just blame the other for everything. You have a sense of responsibility. Mm. Say it so, I think to start, you can also start with the sexual interaction to discover yourself. Because it's in sexuality that all your fantasy, all your ghosts will come to the surface so clearly yeah. that you can say, okay, now I'm stepping back and I do all my inner work because, oh my God, it's so strong. So it's like uh, dark, exploring your dark sides or the shadow side and then uh, working Yes, because sexuality, unfortunately, for, for everybody living in the contemporary world is shadow because it's a taboo. So our sexuality, our sexual desire is the shadow work for the majority because yeah. we don't talk about it. No one educates us. And so we have all this desire and fantasy and we keep putting them down. And when you meet with another one in erotic play and by nature, eroticism mm -hmm. wants to explode you with no boundary because your erotic expression wants to unbound you yeah. It's by nature, it's designed to give you unbounded freedom. And so when you start suddenly explode in erotic attraction, oops, maybe not all the pretty things are coming yeah. up. So, it's like shaking a bottle. Yeah. And, and all the dust come at the surface. And now you, you have to catch it. And maybe it's good if you have some guide to, mm. to guide you there instead of just going into big emotional drama. Yeah. And all I, what I wanted to say is that for some people, that also is enough 
to do sexuality work. I think it's of paramount just to build the human. And it's got nothing to do with Tantra. Mm -hmm. Tantra arrives later, because Tantra really is about understanding reality and your place in reality. And some people is enough for them to be sexually liberated, to own the sexuality that is not in the shadow, but is in the light and they can mm -hmm. celebrate it. And that's maybe is enough for them. And they don't want more than that. They don't want to enter the core of reality to understand the meaning of life. So, and fair enough, you know, they just want to have a happy life mm -hmm. with limits. They're happy to rejoice in their limit and, and have boundaries. And that's for me still valid. You know, that's where I, where I distinguish the sexuality work and Tantra. Mm. Tantra, real Tantra work arrive when you work with your sexuality, when, when you really work with your demon. And then you sit in front of a man, there is a man and a woman, they can sit in front of each other and they can engage in sexual practice or not. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, it becomes a choice, a meditative choice, not a need. A overpowering desire, you know, because that's on, still the karmic eros that is moving you. And of course, this is advanced, yeah. advanced so, work, you know. So before reaching that advanced stage, what do you think about like many practices like emotional release, whether it's dynamic or rebirth or all these kind of techniques? Do you think we, it is essential before... Uh, going into the advanced tantric teachings or yes. exploring tantra world? I think, I'm not speaking for the voice of tantra, but in mm -hmm. my personal experience, yes, absolutely. Because they are also erotic expression. And so you start to understand that also your eroticism doesn't just belong to sex. You know, when, when we understand sex of the genital, and mm -hmm. so breath work, cathartic, breath work. Mm. It can be in all encompassing, ecstatic, erotic experience in the moving of my trauma, you know, mm. uh, meeting my pain with such totality that it becomes of the eros realm because I'm there with totality. And when I learn to do that with my wounds, then I can meet that with my bliss. Mm -hmm. You know, some people want the full body orgasm, yes. but have never done emotional release. And so it's impossible. I mean, it can happen by chance, by grace. By grace, everything can happen once or twice. But to sustain, you know, some people also come and they want a full body orgasm or they, they hear in Tantra, they can have a three hour orgasm. Mm, yeah. and, and I always ironically reply, oh, you want three hour orgasm? Why? Only three hours? We tantric, we want the whole life, full body orgasm. <laughs> three hours is also limited, six hours limited. Come on, we're going for the absolute unlimited, that I can live my life from that place. And so, of course, you have to go in stages, you have to develop your nervous system that is able to sustain a lot of intensity. And so, a lot of emotional release technique, very important. Scream, primordial scream, punching on the pillow, uh, shaking of the body, 
dynamic uh, Kundalini, I mean, all practices of Osho by all means. And many other, the now mm. coming up in breath work, there is tons of, they're all valid according to me. You know, they all have different flavor, but the essence is the same. Bioenergetics and other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so why do you think there is this whole, uh, you know, the friction between people who say that, okay, I've talked with a lot of people, especially in India, and say, okay, Tantra is not sex Tantra. Tantra is beyond that. It's only about the, the sacred test, text and the sacred, uh, you know, chanting mantras and uh, creating yantras and all this stuff. So what, in 21st century, uh, how do you see this? How, how can we bring back this, uh, uh, this, you know, this fight saying that my school is the best school and the other school is worst and, and I find it a lot. Yeah, and I think these are becoming intellectual debates and mm. uh, it's, you know, one of my teachers always say that um, the mind separates and the practice unifies. So the thinking of the mind, what is Tantra, we're going to debate. Debate results in separation. It's me and you, this Tantra, that Tantra, and all those teachings that are aiming to Advait non-duality, mm. they get so stuck in the debate and the debate promotes duality. There are two minds thinking differently. And so fighting the duality to prove you non-duality is absurd, you know? Yeah. Stop fighting, you know, accept everything. And so I come to, I was like this as well. So I have compassion. I'm not uh, joking mm. about it. I think some people are very, engaged, imbibed, and devoted to their path, and they want to protect it and defend it and, and, and hold the impeccability of it. And, and I was one of those. And so, mm -hmm. and then I learned that when I defend something too strongly, I, I believe subconsciously that it is weak, that mm -hmm. I need to defend it. And so I need to go back and really study further that my God, the God maybe I believe in, needs me to protect it. So is that really powerful? So, you know, when I stop protecting, but leaving my truth, it's very different. You know, I don't need to convince anybody anymore. And I found that that gives me freedom. And I let to other people to say, if they want to judge it, what's true and what's untrue. Whatever, I came to, to the knowing now that everything is true, that I accept everything to be true. And then I can choose to live by the truth that vibrate my body, that allow my body to fall in love mm -hmm. when, when I hear that truth. And then there is no more mind doubting. Is it, is it not, but what about this? And so if, I, I, I meet another Tantra school, like I'm not big in Yantra and Mantra, for example, but I'm not denying it. This is not something I spend my time, I engage with. It just doesn't work with me, my temperament, my, the quality of me as a human being, you know, we all have different tastes and quality and we are designed by divine perfection to be like that. So that even in the Tantric teaching, there is infinite variety because we are infinitely slightly different and 
God wants to have a different experience with each and every one of us. So, but the teaching I don't embrace, I don't deny. I'm not going to mm. say, ah, that's bullshit. Don't lose your time there. That's a wasted time. Absolutely not. Because for some people, that's where they might find their body vibrates and they really fall in love and that really works for them. And so I tell all my students, listen to what works for you and just imbibe yourself with that. Consume yourself with that practice that really works for you. And so, you know, I choose the lineage of Kashmir Shaivism in this time of my life. It could also change, you know, yeah. <laughs> so far in the past 10 years has been. And I was there even before I could give it a name. You know, I had the same quality and sensitivity and intuitive understanding even be before I could name it. And then when I found it, I could name it and, and give it a place and which created order you know, in, in, in my mind, because also I'm scared of chaos sometimes. I felt I was floating. Mm -hmm. And then I found like a, like a family, like a school. That's what I call this, a school of thoughts. And out of Kashmir Shaivaism, I even extrapolate more and more and more the essence of fascinating wonderment, which come from those teachings, from that mm -hmm. school. And I choose to completely invite myself into that. And my exploration spin around one word, if you think about it, this Maya. So out mm -hmm. of a whole book, I took one word and it was so powerful for me. I stopped that book for one whole year. I didn't carry on reading because I could constantly meditate the meaning of fascinating wonderment and took me in so many directions. It mm -hmm. awakened so many aspects of my life. How can I be in fascinating wonderment when I'm parenting, when I'm afraid, when I'm scared? Now, with the state of affair we live in now, can I still bring the fascination and the wonderment, even in the craziness, even in the things I don't understand, that can be still an element of wonderment, that I accept the unknown, you know? And so... I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm trying to bring myself back in this mm. school that they're fighting, that debating on what is Tantra. I stopped debating. And I, and I realized that the more I was saying, oh, when I would see other teachers presenting Tantrism, and I would feel offended. Mm. Ah, this is not Tantra. This is just uh, free fucking, you know? Mm. And then I started to call the part of me that was judging that. Oh, do I still have a judging about free fucking? So do I still think there is sacred fucking and unsacred fucking? Then mm. I'm not in non-duality. You know, lovemaking is always sacred. And some people can have the awareness and some people don't. But nonetheless, it is less sacred from the eyes of the divine. They're still playing out, Devi, dancing mm -hmm. her form. You know, and one time, I, I, I give you this little story. There was, yeah. um, I made a small uh, movie of photographing many yonis. I photograph a lot of uh, women vagina. You're uh -huh. familiar with the word yoni. And I made a small movie. And uh, I, it was very transformational for everybody that 
saw it because women don't show themselves because we've been told not to, mm. because we are ashamed to. And particularly, we don't see each other, women to women. We have no um, participation in our collective eroticism. And so it was a great medicine, even for women to look at ourselves in the different shape and form. And one of the women decided not to give me permission to put the video online. I asked if I could put it on YouTube or mm -hmm. I could share it with my student. And she says, no, no, no. I don't want my Yoni to be on display for the odd pervert to start jerking off. Mm. And, and you know, that's just how that was phrased. And one of my colleagues rephrased it for her. And he said, but why wouldn't you want that your Yoni could inspire a lonely man, afraid, wounded, abused perhaps, to love himself? What's wrong with that? Mm. You could offer him such a great blessing. And you see just how it was phrased. She already chose he's a pervert. It is going to jerk off the language we use over my yoni, as if he's going to take something from me and use it for his perversion, when in reality, it can't take anything from you the moment you offer it. The moment he's on offer, mm. it's for the taking. Like the Tantra, they were written, the Veda, they mm. are on offer. They were given to us for everybody to use as we deem fit, there is no judgment from the author. We judge each other how we interpret. And so for her to offer her body, her sacred place of worship, her yoni, to offer it for a man to find the inspiration and love himself, I found that so exquisite. Mm. And then suddenly there are no more perverts. There are more wrong people. There are people that are very lost and lonely and confused and sex still even in, in taken in small doses and in the misunderstanding becomes a moment of divine relief. And in that is also very beautiful. Even if it lasts 30 second orgasm, <laughs> two second orgasm, it doesn't matter in that moment my wish is still that I could have a glimpse of the divine. And so in that, it's all sacred. And then, of course, in the teaching that we all offer, and um, me, you, everybody that teaches Tantrism, now I rest in knowing that every teacher, even the one that maybe are a bit clumsy because they're at the beginning, but I want to trust that the teacher has the calling. It's hearing the calling to bring forth an awareness that mm. is that life is divine, that everything we do is divine. Yeah. And so I rest into that compassion. And so I stop judging what everybody else does. And I offer them my love and I, and I offer them my wishes to do great. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for- We are all doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thank you for- <laughs> laying it out this way uh, your 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 take on this whole uh, the debate culture that can happen when we bring in the intellectual part and trying to justify this 
school is good and that school is bad. My tantra is better than yours. And so uh, it's more than an hour, so we'll try to wind up slowly. We can go on talking for hours, I think. Like the yeah, I told you, I'm Italian. <laughs> yeah. And I like to li listen to you. I mean, uh, your voice is like taking me on a voyage, uh, in a voyage. Mm. So I'm trying to bring it back. So uh, for somebody who's going to start their, I mean, their uh, you know, exploration into the world of Tantra, where do you advise them? I mean, in which way they can explore it or start exploring this? I mean, uh, they, should they go to a, uh, somebody who's teaching or they can do it through books or videos? Look, or... I always say the same things, which seems like a joke, but actually okay. I'm serious. You start with Google. We are so blessed. We have Google. You start with Google and, okay. you, and you see who pops up and you see who you like to follow. And I always suggest to people go for the temperament. There isn't one Tantra. There is as many Tantra as there are individuated soul on the planet because Tantra is about this. And so each teacher has a different flavor, has a different quality, has a different attraction themselves to an aspect mm -hmm. of Tantrism. And they will develop their teaching according to this or that aspect. And so we also change as human beings, we grow. And so we find the teacher that is right for right now. Is the perfect teacher for right now, for wherever one is. Mm -hmm. And you start with that. And there are beautiful lectures on uh, Google about tantric text, you know, and you know, maybe to start a traditional book by, one's, by yourself, it's hard because yeah. they, feel, they feel impenetrable. And so to have someone that guides you there, it's, uh, it's paramount, even like a little group study, even just four people. And you come together and you start reading the Shiva Sutra together or the Spandakarika or the Recognition Sutra, you know? And, or you find a teacher online that is a beautiful Aresh, Christopher Wallace. I, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time studying with him. He offers free teaching on YouTube. You know, he teaches the blossoming of awareness. He teaches the Vidyana Bharava Tantra, sutra by sutra. And okay. so if someone has an interest, you will find. And so the people that constantly ask me, I get this request a lot mm -hmm. on my personal channel. I don't even follow up because it shows me, you know, one thing that is essential to tantrism it's give all of yourself. That's why I say that working with me would ask everything of you. No shortcut. I'm not mothering anybody. So mm -hmm. if you can't spell my name and find my website, clearly you're not ready to work with me. You know, people yeah. that find me on Messenger but could never find my website, I don't believe it. You haven't done your work, homework, you know, because you found me yeah. and then you explored. And here we are talking with each other your willingness to your curiosity mm. brought me here. Exactly. I'm available to you because you show interest, real genuine interest. And so I expect that someone on the path of Tantra must have this because Tantra is not for, um, for children. It requires a level of maturity and self-responsibility. So start the journey. 
go on Google, follow some teacher, see what they do, see mm. what they teach, buy the book, find lecture, print them out. You can find so many books online for free. So you can't even say, I found ancient book, uh, photocopied and put online by other scholars, you know, in Italian from the 1940s. You know? wow. I found the Tantra Lokta that still is only being fully translated in Italian. And I've, wow. I've, I'm lucky enough to be Italian. And I found it on, on some PDF, on some website, you know, yeah. called Script. I, I came across it and I got the book. So Google, I find, is a reflection of your desire. It's mm. a beautiful oracle. So you start there and, and see where it takes you and, and follow your desire. The yeah. teacher that you resonate with, it's your teacher. Yeah, exactly. I think I, when I started uh, searching for Tantra, I used Google, as you said. Yes. Yeah, and I went to different teachers, I mean, many of the teachers that you mentioned, and some of them resonated with me, some of them like, oh, not now. But then after exactly. years, when you go back to them, yeah, you find more connection with them. Exactly. You can understand. Now you understand, exactly, because your awareness is expanded. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think we'll have to meet another time to explore more deeper into the, some of the things I, I wanted to ask. And yes, absolutely. So there'll definitely My be a pleasure. second part, second part of this. So yes. thank you, Valentina, for your time and sharing with all of us your you know, insights into this uh, into the yeah. intricacies of Tantra and the yeah. Vismaya and your teachings. It yeah. was a pleasure for me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for listening and yeah. for gracing me with this invitation and bringing some of India in my lounge today, which I love dearly. I live in Africa, but uh, India really is my spiritual mother. Mm -hmm. and, nice. uh, yeah, sometimes I wonder why I'm here in France and I'm, I usually talk with my partner last night I was telling her what am I doing here in France and then I sometimes I feel, oh, there is some calling, you know, there's mm. something to be done here maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Okay. Ciao. Ciao. Have Take a wonderful care. day. Yeah, Bye. Bye. And ciao, ciao.